Hi everybody, I'm your host, Guillaume Cochois, and this is a new episode of Tapis Rouge. The shout-out today goes to Sidney Bateman, aka Script, the dope WWE wrestler, who was the first one to find out our guest today, Charlotte O'Sullivan. Sydney and Charlotte were actually in the same class and graduated from the École Nationale de Cirque of Montreal together back in 2014. So, Charlotte is an amazing artist. As you're about to find out, she did so much in her career, won tons of awards and prizes, and just went through an incredible artistic and personal transformation over the past couple of years. She and her hair-hanging partner Penelope Elena are now rocking the stage of Echo, the brand new Cirque du Soleil Big Top Show. Oh, and it was just her birthday last week. So again, happy birthday, Charlotte. So, without further ado, the amazing Charlotte O'Sullivan. Charlotte, welcome to Tapirouge. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super happy to see you. It's been a very long time that uh, we talked to each other. Yes, absolutely. Uh, your dog is with you? Oh, yeah, he's growling. I'm sorry yes. about that. <laughs> no, no worries. He's, he's two kilos chihuahua. Now, is he going to come on tour with you? Actually, yeah, I've had the option to opt out uh, for housing. So I've got a couple locations already set up that are pet friendly, and I'm happy to bring my little companion with me. Nice. That's super cool. So you are the hair hanging artist on Echo. That's but, right, yeah. Uh, you've been doing circus for a long time. So why don't you take us from the top? How did you get involved with circus first and then Cirque later on? For sure. Um, I started as a gymnast when I was younger, uh, purely based on I needed to get into something because my parents could tell I was... I was doing cartwheels and splits and the whole bit, and I just needed to be part of something that was that was what I was already doing, just without even. Any- so after many years of gymnastics, I think about seven years, um, I didn't push myself to a very high level or anything, but it was quite clear that my competitions. Um, I was always winning special awards and I wasn't necessarily doing the highest level technique, but it was, you know, best presentation on floor, most dynamic routine, everything. And mm-hmm. I used to have girls at the gym club come gather around to watch my floor routine because they liked the way I'm. So I kind of got this idea from an early age that like I had a something special on the stage, but I was in an environment that was sport. So I, I could very early figure out that I was going to do something in performance it wasn't going to the Olympics, you know, I wasn't going to do something like that. And it wasn't until there was an audition for circus school coming to Toronto where I'm from and my mom being super adventurous. And I thank her so much for the way she thinks and her outlook. She was like, wow, that's a cool opportunity. You should take it. And so not even knowing that much, I ended up finding myself five weeks later at an audition after I had actually let gymnastics go for about a year. And with that kind of just checking out what the prerequisites were for the National Circus School in Montreal, um, I ended up making the cut. And I so my mom, she I found out a few years afterwards, but she she just she realized after convincing me to audition that it was a big deal of a school. Neither of us really <laughs> So she feared I wouldn't get in and that she had pushed me to do something that 
was a bit too challenging and that she, I was going to get my heart broken, but I did get in. And then she was like, oh, wow, I have to let her go. <laughs> I moved to Montreal. I stayed with the family of another student at the time there. And I stayed on through till I was nearly 21. And I went through the college program there as well. And that's where I found um, Hand to Hand. And then I continued on for 10 years. And when you first started, did you do just a little bit of everything? Were there a discipline that you wanted to do specifically? It, the, the program at the National Circus School um, for the high school students, especially, is about trying to, to dabble in the beginning in a couple different circus disciplines to try to find where is your strengths. At the same time, the school's curriculum, as you know, is to be the most well-rounded artist as possible. So you're in there for your juggling classes and your tumbling and your flexibility and your strengths, but you're also, you know, required to trapeze and aerial hoop and silks and everything until you can make a request in your last year of high school to specialize in something because um, audition time, you're going to have to present a piece in that discipline that you want to get accepted in. And sometimes uh, with the kind of curriculum we had uh, and the hours we had battling that with, with school, um, uh, meaning academics, uh, sometimes it's hard to find in that short period of time so that the college program can also accept students based upon um, their potential in an area that the school they can succeed in. So, you know, you might be a great tumbler or mover or dancer, and then they, you haven't done seer wheel yet, but you could be accepted in that and then progress through the college to become a professional in that. So my case was, I was good with acting and moving, and I had a general skill set in gymnastics, um, body type similar to a flyer. And I had kind of had a, an opportunity where there was a there was a guy doing a formation to become a hand-to-hand -hand coach, mm -hmm. but we didn't have anyone in the high school that was really doing hand-to-hand, -hand, and he was given hours with high school students to, to learn to teach and, and try stuff out. And luckily, I was the only one who was interested in my group of girls. They all wanted to do aerial silks and, and, and trapeze and stuff, and I found it quite interesting. So luckily, this guy, although he was learning to be a coach, was big enough to be my base. And so I was kind of thrown these hours, and I got very lucky to try two hours a week. And with that, I actually had a college student who wanted to have a flyer at that time, Ronaldo, you know? Yeah. And he saw that, and he was like, wait a minute what's this girl doing with without a base, you know? So he decided to hop into some hours and thanks so much to him, uh, that built up my base level of becoming a flyer. And with that skill set, I was able to audition in as a flyer, seeking a base to be in the same year as me. And it kind of, it took off from there. There was a, you know, there was a whole parkour of, of which is the right base and, you know, base that I ended up with at first he ended up wanting to do um Russian cradle with somebody and uh the base that I ended up with uh for so many years of our career mm -hmm. his flyer at the time wanted to continue in handstand so we kind of found ourselves in this predicament and uh to go and it worked really well and so N Nico and I we did our duo for about 10 years together and wow. graduated in 2014 that was it oh that's amazing and did you like Hen Hen right away when you tried it out, you were not scared because I feel it's one of these disciplines that's the risk level is a bit higher. 
So it's also this kind of this kind of thing that when you try the first time, a lot of people are like, mm, I don't know if I if I wanna if I wanna do that. No, I I think that your your logic behind it is is so perfect, and it's what everyone thinks. It's of course what I thought as well. Um, you know, coming to the end of the college, you you create a speech, as you know, um, and you talk about whatever you want to talk about before you present your piece. And mine was about how everything I thought I wouldn't do, I did. And so I, you know, I, I thought I wasn't going to continue in gymnastics and acrobatics and I quit. And I thought I wouldn't continue in French immersion and I, and I quit. I ended up at a fully acrobatic school in French <laughs> and, and I thought I was too scared and too tall to be a flyer. And I couldn't balance my handstands. So, you know, there's no point in that when I was looking at these beautiful flyers and, oh, you know, I didn't start dance from when I was four. So there's just no way I could choreographies and everything. And then yet again, I like the story I just told you, I kind of what coach needed to learn. I found myself being the only girl interested in the class. Uh, a college student saw me and wanted to help out. And he was an experienced base. And before you know it, I'm realizing I don't need to balance my handstands. He balances my handstands. And anything that I had a fear in, like your logic of it's kind of scary and how did you feel when you tried for the first time, I had this amazing sense of teamwork. Mm -hmm. I was no my own with my own mindset of going like, okay, it's up to me to do this skill. Instead, it was up to us. It takes two. And there was something very special for me with if you got me, then I've got you. And it was like, I can motivate myself to do this. Are you going to do this? And that's, I feel like the baseline of every skill that we start to learn. It was sort of like, Oh, well, if you want to do it, I want to do it. Okay. You're not too scared. Okay. I'm not. And that is just enough spark to start something amazing. Um, and that, I, it did take a lot of maturing. I didn't, you know, I was scared. There was tears sometimes to take off the lines and there was, you know, controlled, but occasional falls that would give you the spooks and realize what you were, you know, doing. But after, um, finishing school and, and with the situation that had happened with us, we only got two out of the three years of college. They promised us if we kept our level up, we wouldn't have to redo a year, which frequently they'd like everyone to do the three-year program. So we were very proud to, to be able to graduate with just the two years together. However, yeah, we, sure. we did feel like, okay, but let's not stop growing here. Let's, mm -hmm. let's find a way to keep progressing. So we really did that. And it was really cool to have a, a progress that was quite steady and, and going upwards after school. And I think it was really the combination of two people with a desire to kind of challenge each other on what we were going to do next. But did you start working when you graduated or did you just took a time to keep training before you actually put yourself out there in the market? Actually, we, before graduation, before finishing school, we got word from Gypsy Schneider that um, they needed to replace a duo in Pippin on Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, musical that uh, that the seven fingers had collaborated with with diane paulus to create uh, pippin a very successful musical so immediately of course we got a mixture of broadway seven fingers such a dream and and we had a really really great opportunity in front of us immediately upon graduating so right after school was was broadway debut and then it took off from there and it was kind of like our first year 
after school, we didn't do a hand-to-hand act that was one similar to that we graduated with. It was sort of like gigs like Broadway. Like I remember I replaced um, Sam and Ruben in a Cirque Galois in Circopolis. Oh, yeah, it's true. I remember that. And so I actually played the role of a man, like had my suit and I was, you know, pushing my sleeves. <laughs> yes. If you go back just a minute, because I think Pippin is such a interesting show in like the history of the industry because it was really a first Broadway show that had specialized circus artists in it. Yes. And that was super successful. So like, how was it to first to be on Broadway and then how was it to be in that environment in that very specific setup? I take that experience with me everywhere I go. I compare it to every professional environment. I have to this day never worked in a more professional and strict environment in my life. Oh, yeah. I felt like coming out of school, especially ENC, being such a structured program, hard program to get into, high level of stress. You know, you, you're, you're finishing this exam, which is the evening of that speech I was mentioning about. And I had known about that evening for six years of my life. Yeah. And at that in my time, and it, in front of a panel that was... You know, you got members from Cirque, members from Eloise, from The Fingers, so plenty of different choreographers and important people in the industry. I felt like the level of stress really prepares you for the real world after because there's almost nothing in comparison to that level of stress, you know, you're trying to improve yourself. So jumping straight from that into Broadway, I feel lessened the stress. I felt quite relaxed and the amount of pressure put to be perfect was very high. I still to this day have not experienced it, um, but I felt confident actually that I was doing a good job despite it being stressful. The show is so precise in the way they do things that they need to have even the same moves. In circus, when you replace another duo, you can do your own specialty moves that might uh, give the same effect so you know if there's a big explosive moment you might do a salto or some kind of job which kind that is it's up to your specialty you know choice as long as it has the same wow like the same effect and it takes the same amount of time no the same space it's like they're fine Mm -hmm. and and this you know we just got used to doing uh in terms of like oh i'll put my trick here and here and there and in this case it it's broadway it's no we said it's this move. So I was learning moves of one of the people that I look up to the most, Lolita from Cirque Lourou mm-hmm. and Yannick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Yannick is so big and Lolita is so small. And Nico and I don't have much size difference. So that challenge in itself was complicated. But, uh, but you know, there was nothing that I wanted more to step into her shoes yes. as well. Um, Preston and Kelsey, another duo mm-hmm. from school that had the role just before me as well. So, I mean, I was just stepping into these idols position and I kind of wasn't allowing myself to have any possibility of failure. Um, mm. But, but it, it was, I want to like talk about how it was so extreme. We would have these little spikes on the floor, little, you know, colored X's of where you need to uh, maybe start from and land to on which musical counts. Um, days, I swear we, it was just, perfection and then you'd get off stage and the dance captain would be like nice okay so just make sure you're on your spot and you're like oh my god 
God. <laughs> Perfect. And this today, I keep this standard. And I, people are probably tired of me with this, but I. <laughs> But if you've worked with me, you know, I really, really like to do it well. So, so I, I'm really grateful for everyone that I worked with on Pippin because I tried to keep those, those standards and that, mm -hmm. that level of excellence everywhere that I like to go. So, yeah. But that makes a big difference. And I've heard that from other amazing mm -hmm. artists like you, like that one I have in mind that she is an aerialist and she was known to be very, very picky with the speed and the heights for every landing and every takeoff during her and like every two three shows she would be like this was too quick it was too fast not enough and technician being like it's we're really talking like two centimeters difference but for her it was that exactly what you're saying the standard she put on herself she put the same standard when it comes to the music cues the lighting cues and all the automation yeah. and you can think like oh it's a bit too much but it's true that when you i was watching her act i was like it's perfect there is like yeah. not, everything is just so perfect and when people come to see cirque with the, the price that they pay and like the reputation of the companies they expect that yeah. so i think it's fair to give that yeah. to them <laughs> no, absolutely striving for excellence at all times i think is like also being forgiving with yourself and being collaborative standing is important but but striving for that i think is is why we can keep this this magical feeling of of being perfect even though we know it, it's only you only seeing the tip of the iceberg yes. behind it um and on and that being said with the with the environment of circuit one of the first um, sort of circus collaborations with the Broadway show. Um, I was grateful to join at the time that I did because there was a lot of ice breaking for, for Gypsy and the team to do because it was very different for how people in the musical theater world work and with their unions and with their, um, and, and, you know, if they're a local or if they're, you know, an international talent, which we know in the Broadway world, they're local because the mm -hmm. competition, why people move to New York to make it and they have that there you know they don't need to pay for their housing and whatnot but but artists that are being pulled in from every country around the world you know we need to be housed and stuff so that was not typical things within that was sort of this interesting fusion where Gypsy had to come in and tell them hey like this is how circus works and there was probably it was probably the f like I mean the first time ever this kind of stuff I, I definitely think that she did an excellent job because the show ran so well for so long. And then thereafter, the fingers were able to, you know, collaborate more to create the next mm -hmm. theatrical shows afterwards with this same kind of fusion of the two worlds. Mm -hmm. So um, it also really helped me for most recently going to the the States with Twas the Night. Um, mm, yeah me of that environment of we've got some unions here with props and set and we need to respect that and um and does it's their world that we're entering here we are a certain show in a theater but we are going into a theater environment so we got to respect these you know these ladies cleaning our costumes and the way they want to do things just like the guys 
doing the curtains and and the props as well. You can just walk in theater when you want. There is some people who is their job to turn on on the lights and to prepare all the props, and you can't do this yourself. You have to let them do that, and so you need to work around their schedules and stuff like that. Absolutely, and you learn you learn that on the tours for Broadway shows, but as well uh, the local. Uh, New York ones as well. And yeah, it was quite an experience, but it also reminded me of the importance of every, every department Mm -hmm. and every department in the different kinds of worlds that you're in and try try to be adaptive to, okay, I'm becoming a part of this. And um, how can I make this a great environment for everyone involved? I mean, it sounds like the first, first experience was a lot of learning of like, how to perform, how to be professional, how to be adaptable, learning new standards, understanding how the whole machine works. You wanted to keep growing, like your first experience, you were like, okay, we are growing a lot right here. Yeah. And it went from, it went from that, like I said, to, to Eloise, and then it went to um, various dinner shows throughout uh, Europe, um, like um, Switzerland and, and Germany. And so I, within the first year we had not done a a version of our act that was similar from graduating school and we decided the best way because it was like our third year almost Mm, yeah we were dabbling in all these different areas and and growing because of it like you know be this very broadway type uh with bob fossey type choreography Mm -hmm. okay switch now you're going to be with elwaz you're going to be touring the uk and you're going to you know be cuffing up your sleeves and acting like a man with like hair and Next thing we know, we'd applied for Young Stage in 2000. That was 2015, coming around a year after graduating school. And it was from that moment that we realized the importance of festivals. Not only is it an opportunity for you to show your work, but I think more importantly, and I would love for young people to see the benefit of this, is when you either didn't come from a circus school or an environment that gives you deadlines to um, to push yourself for. Applying for a festival that accepts you gives you a deadline and allowing yourself to go through that process of stress and creation and stuff, I really think is only beneficial to grow. Um, and then on top of it, like, cool, if you win something, awesome. If you make some great contacts there, amazing. Mm-hmm. But with as you've pushed yourself to show off your skill sets, do something that you're proud of, that you might want to try something new for the next festival, mm-hmm. and then your product on stage and you're seeing the reaction of it before you might put, have it in a show. Mm-hmm. So like that one year after school kind of felt like our real exam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And from that, we ended up using that act to work. Did you change your act much? Like how was the prep for the festival? The prep for the festival was while we were on the UK tour of Circopolis at the end of the run of the original cast. And so it was really in between cities. We were asking for dance studios and we were setting up the camera and we were just picking a little bit of bits from choreo from our graduating act that we felt more unique. And then recycling through the things that we had learned along the way, such as new skills from Pippin that we never thought we'd do and new things from Eloise as well, new tricks that I had to do there that we never thought we'd do. And with the fusion of the 
the all of the gigs and stuff that led up that first year, we basically had this really cool a fusion of little elements of all of our experiences and of course a heightened level of technique that we were proud to show and from that point we really felt ready um it it was a lot i feel like wow i had a lot of energy then um <laughs> it felt really cool to do it just us you know there wasn't a choreographer it was just us exiting a very contemporary school which gave us the you know what we had and then elements of the mainstream world and some things commercial and some things that are a bit more in depth theatrically. And we could mm -hmm. kind of create an ensemble of things that was not only interesting for us to perform, but for people to have in their show. And as you know, hand to hand is a great discipline to sell because you don't need rigging. You just need a smooth surface floor and enough ceiling height. And often it sells great, a man and a woman in a show, but it it wasn't overly, you know, it wasn't overly sappy or anything. It was just sort of to your interpretation of what the story was, you know, and it fit really well. So did you meet the expectation on the timeline? Like, did you said, this is what we want to do. And when you arrive at the deadline to present the act, did everything went smoothly? Yeah, it went really well. We didn't expect to win anything, but we had won a um, a dinner show prize for a couple months later in Switzerland. And that opened our possibilities to go into the cabaret world in Europe. So uh, we continued on afterwards to tour a bit with Pippin, the national tour, mm -hmm. and then that pop onto the gigs that we had won from the festival. And then it started to expose us to other people in that market and inspire us to uh, to be part of more festivals. And that's when we got invited to uh, Monte Carlo. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I remember having my first hand-to-hand -hand coach as Alexandre Arnautov, original, uh, you know, family from Russian cradle creators, but, um, he used to, you know, joke. We would do like a, I remember my, my first experiences hand to hand, I used to do something and it was awful. And he would, he would tell me to present after and say, ready for Monte Carlo. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't believe when we got an invitation to attend the, this was the new generation, uh, Monte Carlo festival that was created for, uh yeah new generations youth so every if everyone before the age of like 25 i think mm -hmm. and then this is something that i i really loved it opened up a whole new realm of circus fully trad you know yeah, for sure and being you know in a competition with elephants and horses and stuff it was so wild be like i'm competing with these guys what <laughs> and uh, it was i mean it's you know in in a certain I, it's almost like in a certain light, we think of it as like a, a, a traditional Olympics of circus, you know? Oh, definitely. It's it's a huge deal. It's like probably yes. with like the, the amount of two biggest yes. competition in circus. It's like just to be invited to present your work there is incredible. Yeah. And I have to be honest, like I said about the, the final exam at school, I never had the stress I had again until mm -hmm. my it didn't it was Monte Carlo that did because I just was like don't let yourself down don't let your, your partner down and I um 
so delighted how well we did. We we won the Audience Choice Award and we won um, silver. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was like not in disbelief. I I think I could say it was a very very happy moment for us. Um, and yeah, from from that point after, it was quite a drive for us to keep giving ourselves these these um. I could say challenges like, okay, we'll apply for this. It'll challenge us and then we'll create something for it or evolve what we have already made. And then we'll continue to, to progress it. So the, actually the act that we first made for young stage, we used for the first time we went to, to Monte Carlo, mm-hmm. um, a couple of years later, three years later. So that one was in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, we attended again we were invited again to the big festival. And at that point we had done, um, we'd done a lot. We'd had gone to, uh, France got talent and we had done, you know, the auditions and the semifinals and we were finalists as well in top 10. Um, and we got golden buzzer on our, on our second go round for the act we did in water, uh, which was crazy. We were actually, I don't even know how to go in order. <laughs> we got inspired while we were working on Hoya, which was from the time of 2016 through to 2018. We'd, we'd, we'd gone to Hoya on replacement um, four times for Duo Maintenant when they had their kids. Uh, so you went to cover when Ludivine was on maternity. And during the, the ins and outs that we did, during those two years, we went to two other projects during that time. We did France Got Talent. And so in the in-between, I remember we were setting up like PVC tubes and tarp. And Nico had this idea, we're going to create a water stage. And, and it's going to just have a thin layer of water, but we're going to see what it's like visually and with the smoke. And so we had created our own makeshift Home Depot, home mini pool tarp. Yes of the side of the playa and we would practice in the pouring rain and that was the act that actually got us the golden buzzer which then i we just broke down into happy tears when it happened <laughs> yes. it was so much work and risk you guys were just creative machines you're like just never never doing just do just one thing it's like you're always working performing but also always creating new project new act new thing it, and and from those experiences between, you know, uh, Hoya doing our, again, it was their first act that we did at Young Stage, the first time at Monte Carlo. We did that in Hoya to the music there. Um, but then in the in-between, you can imagine at this point, we're like, yeah, we've done this routine a lot, mm-hmm. you know. So the TV shows were great because they're short routines to make something new. And then it was really cool because from the bits we developed on that, we had yet again sort of like, uh, raised our our technical level and we're sort of ready like what's going to be the next thing um to push us to to finally make a new act and so after we had gone to we what we did for the last time our 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 this act we did it um in Wuhan in in China which was an, another big one that we went to and we won silver which silver the Wuhan festival yeah. <laughs> I forgot about this. That's crazy. That's crazy. 
I need to stress that enough because first, it's super rare for artists who don't come from traditional circus to be invited to Monte Carlo and to the Wuhan Festival. But yet to go there and to win as some artists who come from circus school and a more modern circus scene, you really have a lot of odds against you going to these places. So it takes a lot of talent and work and performance skills to be able to wow that jury panel. These are two huge accomplishments for you guys, really. Thank you. I I felt, I truly felt, yeah, blown away. Um, I... I couldn't believe that we were there. They, the, the Wuhan the, um, theater was, you know, 360 um, traditional circus ring um, with entrances large enough to enter elephants. And um, from each side corridor, there's about four entrances. And, um, and on the exterior, when you're in the, you know, sort of like the front of house where you can enter into the, into the seats, they, they've just got these old photographs all around. And I just, was looking at these different insane disciplines of multiple roller bolas and unicycle ball stacking on the head and, you know, contortionists doing Marinelli triple fold uh, tricks from perch with who knows how many layers. Insanity stuff. (laughs) But I think they liked our quality of movement. I, I think when hand-to-hand is more traditional, it's less likely to have choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's more done through just the spectacle of the tricks. And I think we had a cool balance between an original way of of showing tricks. We, we didn't do the typical tricks that a lot of people did. We did a lot of spinning mm-hmm. where I would pirouette before being caught back on my feet. And I think something interesting for both Monte Carlo and Wuhan, because it was very well received. Um, and yeah, it, it, it blew me away. I, I was just like, stop it. I, this isn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it also was, it, we decided that that was the, a nice way to close the chapter on that act. Not that we would never again for any other show that we go into when we needed to create we would we would always draw from these tricks and sequences but we were like okay it's time to push more <laughs> and one of the things that motivated us to have this push um that we were going to do was the thing that we were we were hearing a lot so somewhere that we especially heard it was when we we toured Australia as well during the time in between Hoya. And we worked with a company uh, called Strut and Fret with Scott Maidman. And Scott is all about people wanting to take part in things that either they don't typically do or that would wow the audience because, wow, that artist can do yet another thing. And of course, of doing stuff. I love singing and I had the the pleasure to be able to sing with the show. And so we went to join on the show Limbo. And that was already a really, really successful cabaret show that had toured around Australia and done a long six month UK run. And so we kind of incorporated it there as well as the new creation called Limbo Unhinged, uh, where I was basically the singer of, which was so cool. Cause so Scott was like, here's a mic, you're great. And then the little next thing I know, we're premiering at the Sydney opera house 
and I'm singing there and I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. And so this this time, like I said, it's a, it's a crazy year. It, it, there was Hoya, there was France Got Talent in between, mm. and then there was Australia. And so we had one area doing the act we always did, you know, it's Cirque, so you, no room for error, you got mm. perfect. It's a high standard. Then you've got the TV shows. You don't want to humiliate yourself and you've got to come up with a new routine. (laughs) And then you've got this other company that's like, sing, dance, Nico, wear some heels. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And with that and and finishing at Wuhan, we're like, I think we've we've finished what we need to finish with this act. And it's time to take the bits from the the new experiences that we've had and Sorry, I, I forgot to mention what the comment was, but a lot of the comment that we will get is, oh, you guys are the dancers. Mm. Oh, for the couple, the dancers. And it was so flattering because neither Nico or I came from dance. Mm. And something we had pushed since the beginning with our duo was quality of movement. Mm. And what we think was mm. one of the that was working well with the traditional circuses, especially, was our fusion of interesting high level unique tricks but then not being trad in that sense of presentation and rather going into more an in-depth theatrical and choreography um for the routine and so nico let's go with the choreographer and let's push our limits as these dancers that people keep calling us Mm. so that was time for the ultimate challenge which i think is still one of my most nerve-wracking experiences to this day we got it invited to the i think it was the 43rd edition of monte carlo in 2019 right before uh the pandemic that had stopped the festival um and we decided two and a half months before we were going to make a new routine (laughs) and we made it in california with a choreographer that Nico found, um, who was the winner of Canada's got, um, so you think you can dance uh-huh. and Tara Jean Popovich. And she's an incredible human. We stayed out with her in a house in California and we cooked together and we went to the studio and we pushed our limits and we, we created this act that we actually premiered uh, on the Monte Carlo stage. Oh my God. I can you imagine the stress level? When you act and you are like premiering it on that stage, it's insanity. That was a lot. I really had crippling anxiety. <laughs> you've done it all. You've been doing the scary moves on live TV. You've done singing at the Opera House, Broadway. You've done Monte Carlo already. You know, this was just like, I didn't even know how they were going to react. Mm-hmm. We barely, we showed it to some friends, you know, we, we didn't show it to the panel of like the highest level circus people in the industry, mm-hmm. let alone traditional context. Um, and, you know, it was, it was all worth it in the end <laughs> yeah. because uh, I remember we had, a, we had a platform made. Oh, that was, that was something I should say in our, in our experience in the cabaret in Australia, What's something super unique about this limbo stage that we used from the Stratton Fret show? This stage was about three meters, 60 centimeters, so about four meters in diameter. It was a circle. Mm-hmm. But it was also 
up to about my chest high. And I'm like, I would say this was a meter 40 tall. Mm, yeah. Very high stage. And if you're in a Spiegel tent where the cabaret shows happen, which I know you've worked a lot in, mm -hmm. beautiful environment with mirrors and red velour, mm -hmm. um, you're you're seated on down and you have this this platform going way up and you can imagine in hand to hand it really almost feels like the audience is under your tricks yeah for sure and so we were like you know we're about to go to to the big stage again monte carlo and it's a big big stage to fill mm -hmm. so how can we turn that beautiful intimate environment that we adore from the cabaret in australia into one of the biggest you know big tops that exist and so we're like why don't we bring that element of trad by bringing in a podium stage so we had dimension or nearly the same dimensions made and we we had it lit in a way that it was very concentrated and to try to develop this intimate spiegel tent environment mm -hmm. that we love so much and that we wanted to share with this extravagant circus you know mm -hmm. i think that it, it was well received because the environment totally changed. I mean, we were right after mm. 26 felines in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. We're warming up in the backstage. And, and I remember just the lions and the tigers going through a cage beside us mm -hmm. and growling. The tunnels next to you. Staring at me as if I was the next snack they were yeah. going to have. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, as you can imagine, we, we had to create an impact. So with our, with our experiences, we, we were like, okay, let's push the choreo. Let's bring an element from the shows that we love best. And we, we took home the bronze clown. Also really crazy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I remember I, I cried. I, was, I didn't think that I would ever be holding one of those beautiful clown trophies. And, and there we were doing... You know, I, I told you before, I, I never thought I would even do hand to hand. And there I was with my partner at Monte Carlo. And it was so special to in particular because um, that's the circus that Nico grew up with as a kid. Mm. Um, being from Monaco, um, that was his glimpse as a child uh, mm. to see what it was. And I'm sure, at, you know, at one point in time, he too thought he would never be there. And having the family being able to attend and him being the first person ever raised in Monaco to to be with us like to be in our duo representing was was really special for us as well oh for sure that's crazy it's I knew you did a lot but now that you're going through everything like I it's crazy you guys did so much so much in such a short amount of time and you accomplished so much too like it's winning Monte Carlo twice <laughs> I'm fucking kidding me it's crazy it's very, very crazy um, and, and surprising, yeah, to, to be a part of such trad festivals uh, and, and how they were seeking. We were not the only contemporary act. They, I was really that they were pulling in a few others, um, and it, it also helped us feel a bit more welcome mm -hmm. <laughs> because not, not that we're not welcome upon invitation, you know, it's already so such an honor, but but to know that they were trying to also broaden things and mm -hmm. evolve was was pretty cool um yeah I, I after that point um i did feel through the years that i 
was sort of almost having this little internal identity crisis <laughs> of, and I was like, I have done everything and the, that I can do. I feel I was, you know, I, that's a bit of a stretch to say, but, no, but I, then you had your goals yeah. and the thing you wanted to accomplish and you accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish. Yeah, it, it was amazing. And it was, but you know, we we're hungry to keep learning, but as much as um, acrobatic abilities go, we really, you know, we developed a lot and we taught places and, you know, worked in so many different avenues of, of creativity and freedom and made multiple routines and uh, in front of different audiences that I was like, what can I do that will give the confidence back to me to know who is Charlotte as a performer outside of Charlotte and Nicholas, the duo that we mm -hmm. developed in very well known for and it was really a personal thing because it was um it was something to build my self-confidence and and as if you if you're from the circus industry you will know that um a lot of the time in hand-to-hand -hand duos the flyer will have like an additional act to offer and sometimes the base as well you know and and coming out of circus school where you're it's it's designed to to teach you well, one, so many different things, but also they want you to come out with multiple acts and being a diverse person. I didn't have that solo aerial act that was sort of almost expected of me. And I had a, <laughs> I had a great career that didn't ask that of me, you know, it, Oh, where's her extra act? Like, luckily we were always brought in for our duo and that was all we needed. And then of course I was singing and doing dances and we didn't require this solo act, but Although none of the disciplines drew me in to want to do enough on my own, there finally came the wave or the, the very beginning wave of the popularity in hair hanging. Um, and it was when truly at that time I'd performed at the box in London, which you might know is a very risque nightlife um, sort of a, what happens there stays there environment mm -hmm. to make between all sorts of oddities and um and I I would love to say you know stuff that is very R-rated in terms of mm -hmm. uh yeah, sure. performance. Um and then of course acrobatic stuff. So we would be doing our usual and maybe a bit more of a nightclub setting. And I had seen a hair hanger there. Um and she had done a much more um traditional routine and with the concepts that are at the box, I'm not going to reveal anything because they're, um, you know, what happens there stays there, but it was a ceremonial way, which is super unique. However, I didn't relate to it and I didn't feel that it was in my realm of, of interest nor movement quality or something that I connected to. So I just never associated myself with, with the potential of, getting involved with hair hanging and it wasn't until a few years later that I had seen Volta of course mm -hmm. and I was aired by uh Daniela and I think so many people are and she's definitely the the person probably to have inspired this wave and turnover of, yeah, for sure, of definitely temporary aspect of hair hanging and as we know it um hair hanging is a is a really traditional discipline actually just to touch on that briefly if it interests you yeah, for sure 
it's a discipline that was, it's, it's hard to research. I actually reached out to Pascal Jacob uh, about this because I wanted mm-hmm. to do one time a short documentary um, on it. And I, I, Pascal Jacob was our circus historian teacher at, um, at cool. ENC. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I reached out to him and just wanted to know a little bit more about the history. And he, he reminded, he gave me some documents and it was mostly stuff I had already researched, but he told, he told me I should reach back out to Anna Karina from the library at ENC, which is also the biggest in-depth circus library for circus history and arts. Mm -hmm. So I did. And she also provided me with some, some documents there. And again, I, I realized I had kind of still, it was still everything I knew. So basically it was a, a discipline an ancient Chinese discipline brought over over six generations ago to the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, given as a trade to the Ayla family, um, an American family that, that brought that down six generations um, in secrecy uh, to, to preserve it as an original act. Um, I don't know who the Chinese performers were, I do know members of the family of the Ayala family, and they keep it in secrecy to this day. However, they don't, sh- they don't share it still to these days. They don't want to share it. Wow, that's crazy. And there is a bit. There is a set amount of cultural significance to the Chinese and their craft, originally known as the Chinese tea drinkers. Um, would be men with their hair braided and um, hanging with their legs crossed drinking tea. And that was a spectacle to see at the time. And so that was brought down. And I guess it's, it's only come into recent popularity since um, the magic of the quality of movement. And so I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't quite sunk my teeth into the traditional way because typically it's done with, you know, plate spinning and, and, um, and ribbons and hula hoops and various. Okay. They are mostly like manipulation props. And then you would go up hanging and then you know juggle without dropping or mm. spin something like that and then i'd seen Daniela and the way she'd done it and i was like okay first of all she's an incredible aerialist so she's mm. got all that flexibility and stuff that's much pertaining to her and have been such a, an experienced aerial hoop artist but I was like, I think there's something there that relates to who I am as Charlotte from my mm. duo that's what I was well known for was move, movement quality. Yes. But like, I think if I take away the hand to hand aspect and just have me, the one flying that I, I just suddenly was like, Oh, I see something there. Yeah. And so I went online and of course did all that research and figured that out and was like, okay, so this thing is secret and sacred and almost like a magician's trick, if you will. Mm, yeah, I see. A little bit the reason why things are so protected and secret because everything must evolve one day, right? Like somebody once invented the trapeze, somebody once invented the hoop. So why not hang by your hair? For sure. Except for that at one point in time in our circus history, it was preserved so well and brought over from a different culture. And it, it's sort of like not my party trick to share in a way. It's not my, it's not my my thing to share because it was never mine. However, how did I learn it? Right. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to somebody I saw online doing it very well. And I wrote to her and I was like, look, I'm aware of the secrecy. 
absolutely completely understand if you don't even want to talk about it. I just have seen this discipline and the way you do it. And I feel like I, there's something there that I, I think I can do it. And this, it was amazing because the girl that I wrote, she was like, girl, I'm already a fan of you. I know who you are. And I think you are made to do this. And I was like, <laughs> I thought I was going to go into like a whole long list of refusal and being like, Charlie, like don't take your toe somewhere that you shouldn't, you know? And to my pleasant surprise, she was very warm and welcoming. And she had her husband translating um, what she was saying um, in Portuguese. And and so that I would know how to tie my hair safely. And all I, I've never met her. And it was five years ago. And she sent me a WhatsApp video. Um, but she did say, you take a video of yourself with someone assisting you and you show it to me before you ever hang. I want to make sure you're doing a great care in my safety and making sure that I would not be putting myself at risk um, or doing anything that she didn't tell me to do. You know, it was, it was quite clear. And I really respected that because I understood I was, I was, I was being given a very big gift and responsibility. So I took that, seriously and um have made my own changes and stuff since but i decided this thing is going to help me on my own in my backyard <laughs> try to push my own limits of like pain tolerance of movement and and working solo just with me and it was purely really for this thing that i had which was well what happens if one day like my base doesn't want to do hand to hand anymore. Or mm -hmm. what, what happens if I don't want to, or what happens if that's, that's too much for me? Or what happens if I want to have a kid and then come back to circus, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to train up to par to maintain a duo mm -hmm. or want to do duo anymore with tricks that are not as high level. You know, I always had these things in my mind. You get in question constantly like how long can you do circus for yeah. girl hanging by your hair and i'm like okay there's something there for me our partner in this episode is circus talk the online carrier marketplace for circus and the performing arts circus talk is the new thing that is great for our international circus community it is an amazing information resource, bringing news, events, and industry trends to us, professionals working in the field. What also makes Circus Talks amazing is their first online casting platform that connects talents and talent seekers in circus and performing arts. If you're a talent seeker, you can finally post jobs and auditions in a professional and transparent way, instead of using social media accounts. There are already over 28,000 artist profiles on Circus Talk that talent seekers can search while talents can find jobs and apply to them via the Circus Talk platform. You can get your first month free on both Circus Talk Talent and Talent Seeker Pro membership by using the promo code TAPIROUGE in one word. So go to circustalk.com, sign up to Pro and use the code TAPIROUGE to find your spotlight with our partner, Circus Talk. All right, guys, a little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. 
The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program, and after six weeks, I got back on stage. But I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training, and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back. The more I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweak some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way, instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists, and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring, and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics, and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios, and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. wasn't until about like six months or something later I had actually had an opportunity to train that's how busy we were we were creating a show in London at the time and I bought the equipment at a, a sailing shop actually got some sailing ropes and some some a ring from there yes. in London and I was I had this on me and I toured with this bag of ropes and a ring and my beaners and I bought swivels for the first time even <laughs> like I was I've got my stuff, but I can't hair hang yet. And I got so inspired that I wrote in a journal even elements of what I could do before I even did it. Mm-hmm. And I bought face jewels and makeup. And I started to make a costume before I even did it. And I was like so set. In my mind, I'm like, you are going to be this thing. I don't know what it's even going to look like yet, but it's going to be amazing. And um, and then it was, yeah, about six, seven months later, I tried, and it took me, it took me four tries on my own with no teaching. I had no understanding of the limit of the pain I was going to endure, and I, standing, you know, you know what we do. We have like no pain, no gain, and kind of like it's normal that it hurts, or come on, one more You have that for all your years of experience of how to, like, get better. You have to push through. Normal that it hurts. You know, we all can be like, identify what's an injury and what's a let's keep going. And hair hanging, especially in the beginning, and when you don't have someone to guide you, 
Yeah. You have no idea. You just don't. You don't know if you are injuring yourself or just receiving pain. You don't know if you are pushing your limits too far or if you're just at the beginning. And you're, you, you don't know the, the level of, of pain that you're going to get to before you lift your feet. And if it's even safe, is that healthy? Is it normal? Should I be feeling that pain? No, it seems like a problem. So it's like such a mental game. And I took it as part of this journey of like, if you can do this, you can do anything kind of thing. Like just keep going. And so on the fourth day, I remember I held my friend's hands and I applied as much pressure to my head as I could. And then I lifted my feet up while still pushing down to relieve some weight on his hands. And then I slowly released my hands until I was on my own. And immediately after that, I like was understanding, okay, this is the maximum level pain. And I was like, it's pretty intense. <laughs> I remember the, um, it cracked inside my neck, not in a bad way, just in a new way. And it, it felt like it cracked through my mouth and at the back of my head, at the very top of my, my spine. And I was so wild. It was a whole new thing. But immediately after I understood if I just gave myself a spin, it was easier to release my feet and I continued on. And through the amazing, um, well, feeling that it gave me, um, I, I started to film myself and I started to, uh, to, to look at what I could do. And I remember immediately, okay, I gave a spin. I understood the, uh, the center made me a bit dizzy, whatever. I did some splits. I watched the video and then I was like, oh my God, that, I was up there for 25 seconds. And then I, the next day, oh my God, it was 45. Look at that. That's like an aerial sequence. And then I was like, Charlotte, you're like two weeks away from being able to put together sequences. And if you can put together sequences that go up and down, you can put together an act. And so my, so basically I made an act and then I filmed it. I did it in four weeks. I had a little bit of vacation time. And when I put a little video of me starting my boss in Australia, Scott, she said, Charlotte, coming on to the tour in a month, what do you feel about premiering that? And I was like, oh, I've been given the opportunity. Okay, yes. So I found myself touring with my hand-to-hand -hand act and my hair-hanging new act, which is my new challenge. And I was doing stuff that I would not do anymore, you know, in order to to fit the order of the show, I was like rushing to put my hair up and rushing to take it down and stuff that wouldn't be good long-term now. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm glad that I still, you know, took the little risk to do it. It was a five week tour. So, um, and then after that, I decided like, because I, I got work sooner than I expected. I, I, I actually, I didn't go into this thinking of work. I went into this thinking of, I want to do something for me. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up, being given an opportunity and then it going so well. And then I was like, okay, well now I have my extra things. So we tried to plug it in all the different shows that we did. And we continued to do that for a while. When you did your first show, did you feel that you became that wonderful thing that you had in your mind when you were taking all the notes and making the drawing of the costume and everything? Yeah, actually, because I, I replaced on the first week of of the tour and then the, the second week 
um, continuing on for the last four weeks, I actually replaced a different app. So I changed my style. The first week I was replacing, um, it was originally a hand balancing act with, with, with an amazing performer named, um, Danique. Um, and then it eventually evolved into a straps number and it was very masculine, heavy. It was, it was live band, very dark, dark, dark scene. And I had created my piece to be quite dark. And so I loved it. I could really live with what I had made just to different, different music. And, and I was really living it. And, um, funny enough, the person who filmed my first run mm. ever was Penny, mm. my um, duo hair hanging partner. And we, uh, she was there visiting her, her boyfriend at the time who is, who is in my show with me and she didn't hair hang yet. And it wasn't actually until a couple months later, she started hair hanging. But uh, with everything you said, you, it's so clear. You have so much vision, but I think it's something that a lot of artists have to to dream about something, you know, oh, I wish I would be able to have an idea of like, how oh, there is this thing. It would be so amazing to do. When you're already working, it takes so much to create the space and use the energy to actually materialize and manifest this in the physical world, you know? So, and it's something you did many times with a partner and that with hair hanging, you did on your own. I mean, as a process, I, I feel like now that you say it back to me, it, it almost feels just kind of like how I've been since I was little, how I was, you know, doing something that I enjoyed, but always thinking of, well, it might not be that, but it's going to be on stage and it's going to be something and it's going to be great, but I don't know what it is yet. So I kind of had that, I guess that's just part of who I am and that's ingrained in me. And that kind of came back to me when I had done all these different steps through my hand to hand career. And so I had this drive and I, it was kind of other than a search for identity to figure back out in like a solo realm and, and who I am and what I can create. And that drive from basically when I was little, I, I felt like I couldn't believe that it was, I don't know. I couldn't believe it was just me. And, and that I had done something and people had clapped and it was just me. And it was like, I never even desired to do solo stuff. It I love working in, with partners, but I felt like I, I felt very, very proud that, that this thing that I did, I just did it from my imagination. I just did it with me. And even though Yes, I put it on stage and I was super proud and everything. It wasn't like, yeah, I can, I'm a soloist now. I didn't necessarily feel that because I completely was like, my main focus is hand to hand. But in sense of my personal achievement, I finally felt proud of something that I could do um, on my own that I really started just for me. I had the pleasure to do it for an audience and to show it to people. And then thereafter, I was very pleasantly surprised to see the very lovely reaction and, and great comments of saying how it was original and, and this and that. And I was, you know, I started to feel, I guess you could say the fruits of my labor. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Oh, it, it wasn't just personal in the end because when I finally shared it, um, it, it did something for people too. And I was glad to know that I, you know, I was able to be inspired by, 
at that time there was really just we're talking two three hair hangers that had the temporary movement and so i was just happy to see that um i was able to continue to push in that realm without being the same as and still being very clearly like charlotte-esque <laughs> mm-hmm. and having this thing and if you know me i think the the, the biggest joke <laughs> like at school was like oh charlotte's not gonna do that she's too scared because i was scared of heights mm-hmm. and want to go up on the hoop and the the silks and I found it painful and it wasn't kind of a, a kind of pain that I didn't want to endure and so me getting through school and struggling through the aerial classes it was kind of a joke with my friends it was known I'm not an aerialist and I'm not good at that and I'm not comfortable hanging on and relying on my own strength my own grip which is against everyone else's logic they feel confident their own strength, their own grip. But as I had mentioned to you before, I found confidence through my partner. Mm-hmm. And I just reached a point in time where I needed for like my own sanity and my own, um, I guess, pride and self-worth. I was like, Charlotte, you should probably turn in and do something for you to feel that power of like, I can do something on my own. And so with the mix of things that came together, it was quite funny to be like, who would have known I did end up doing an aerial discipline, but I did the only discipline you can do without hanging on. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it brought me back to my speech from school. And it was that everything I thought I wouldn't do, I did. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was crazy. I was like, wait, it's not just, okay. Yes. It's hair hanging. I didn't think I would do hair hanging, but it's also, it is an aerial. And knowing me that was last on the list to do you know i'm a floor acrobat i came from the floor i came from you know banking and head to hand and pyramids and people catching me in teamwork to me and my hair (laughs) it's crazy yeah but that opened a new door for sure because that gave me a i don't even know if it's like a self-confidence or or just a a, rather a belief that there is more to me with me and it had nothing to do with anything like I don't want to be in my duo anymore actually like continued on for years after it was just a now I feel a bit more secure with who I am as a creator and I knew that I could push myself and I'm glad I did that um and that's when I continued to plop in the hair hanging act where I could. And like Del Ensemble with Eloise with a moment of hair hang, as well as ups with the fingers for actually the early, the first workshops ever of Water for Elephants. I was singing mm-hmm. and doing. And from that moment, how, how did your duo hair hanging happen? So this is where we all, as we know it, um, the, the pandemic hit, right? And so basically 2019 was Monte Carlo, the new act with Nico, went there, did well, continued on the year, was going to premiere the, um, I was the original cast of Dual Reality, so Mm -hmm. sort of new take on Romeo and Juliet. So I was the Juliet character and um, it was nice. I was kind of hair hanging on the side just to to maintain it. 
but you know, hand to hand still really was my focus and there was no hair hanging in that show. Um, and when the pandemic hit, I went back to Mexico where I live and I have lived since my first times at Hoya. I, I, I since bought a house there and that I call Seidel Carmen my home. And so during that time, I was like, well, I can't do hand to hand right now. And I had unfortunately increasing problems in my neck. And I was from, from right when the pandemic hit, I had just recently in the previews of this show, we were doing kind of like an inaugural cruise where we'd start shipyard where they made the brand new boat. And then we, I shouldn't call it a boat. It's a ship. They'll get mad at me. <laughs> and, uh, and then we took it from Genoa, Italy, and we went around and did uh, two stops in the UK where Richard Branson, the owner and creator from Virgin as a brand. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, we, we did kind of like start in the UK where he's from and we did uh, the port in Liverpool and, and Dover. And during those runs, I took a fall that I even continued the show, I, but, but it was a battle scene in the beginning. And I think mm -hmm. some, there's, there's a lot of people who've done that show or seen that show by now. They'll know that it, the show opens with a big kind of fight and it was a luxury to have this rollout flexi roll mat that we had, you know, I've been doing hand to hand with no mats for years. And this was like fun. I can fall and crash on my knees and, you know, get fake punched and fall straight to my side. And I think I'd, I might've been taking that a bit too far or too many repetitions and my neck that was getting a bit unstable from some, you know, all my years, I felt something not so good on one of those falls. And I continued and then the pain increased and um i decided to go over to the aerial yoga studio one day uh when we were not doing any shows and i rigged myself for hair hanging because i found that the traction that it gave mm -hmm. me um uh, separated the compression of the the discs in my spine mm -hmm. um unfortunately this was the first time that it did not help i felt like i was too inflamed and it scared me because i was like when hand to hand would be like too much with the compression and the acrobatics, I had that pain. I felt like I had a tool with the hair hanging that would relieve a bit of that compression. And that was the first time with that didn't. Then the pandemic hit and I went home to Mexico and I was scared because I couldn't do anything and I didn't have any work. And I went five months, no hair hanging actually. And, and just, I did nothing. I, I went into like homebody. I went to just like, you're going to wait until the pain stops. There's no rush. World has stopped. You know, we do what we're all processing this, this new life. And then when I'm ready, I went back and luckily after those months of rest, hair hanging was fine. I continued. And nine months later, I reunited with my partner, Nico, and he had decided to put together a production um, in, in Monaco of the show that we previously did in London. And so I went out there to join him and I restarted hand to hand and it was okay. After nine months, surprisingly within two weeks, we had all our tricks again. It was incredible what, what you can do after many years of the same partner. Um, but the pain still persisted. So he, he convinced me, you know, okay, go get an MRI. So I was like, oh, it's expensive. And I wasn't insured, but I was like, you know, at one moment, we do have to invest in ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
So I took this MRI with the sports doctor and to my surprise, I actually had herniated a disc and in my neck and it was really, really painful, but it was healing. And that's why I had, I did give it enough time to heal. And actually thanks to the pandemic and no work, I didn't feel guilty by turning down work. I just mm. didn't have it. So after that moment, um, I, I did, you know, I did push it a lot in that time to do that week of shows that we'd set up, but not enough to like really mess with it. Just, it was remaining irritable. Um, and I could get hair hang and it would relieve it. And so then I realized really then, okay, I can do the same. I can do it at the same time. I just have to be kind of clever about the compression that I get in hand to hand and then the traction that I get in hair hang and how to work with that. Balance each other. Exactly. And, and I say it worked for the most part, but it, it was in, it was not so stable. And so when, again, after that gig, I went home and that's when I, um, I had reconnected with my friend Penny. So one of the, I'm sorry, this is like a story like this. I don't even know how. Yeah. <laughs> During that time, same year that I did Hoya, all the friends got talent and um, Australia tour over the course of two years. I, um, I met Penelope Elena, an Austrian performer um, who was in limbo with us at the time. And she was replacing to do contortion and I became good friends with her. Um, but it was one of those companions that you make in your circus career that, you know, you see them. It's so easy. It's so great. It's amazing. And then you go on your way. And you'll see each other when you see each other. And it's one of those friends that you don't need to see each other often. Nothing really changes. And you're, you're on the same page. You know, you just know that this person is a good person in your life, even if you don't spend years with them. Mm. And so what happened with Penny and, and we ended up, uh, she ended up coming to replace uh, an artist who couldn't make it for this gig in Monaco. And Nico was like, Oh, we need somebody for the aerial hoop. Who do you think? And I was like, Penny does hoop too. And she's amazing. And she's based. So she came on and she had started hair hanging about two months after I did back hmm. this at point, it was like two years earlier or something. And, um, and so we kind of were like, Oh my God, like we both hair hang now. Like we need to have a session together. We need to do that. It'd be mm -hmm. so fun. And it, of course in this show, she was going to do aerial hoop and I was going to do hand to hand. So with the chaos of mounting the show and the rehearsals and COVID protocols to make yeah. this even, um, which was amazing that it did and that it, it, and it happened really, really well and the people, they needed it, you know, to see a show, uh, the time kind of went and it came and went and we'd run out of time and Penny was set to go back home and, and Berlin where she was based and waiting for her show at the winter garden to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, she was just informed well, that the country was going to continue to stretch out its long, long lockdown of like nine months. And she was like, I cannot do it. I need to be somewhere where I'm not still in a lockdown. And she came to visit me in Mexico where it wasn't locked down. And same with some other friends from the cast who are from the UK who also just got announced the massive lockdown in the UK was continuing. Yeah. So they were like, we're coming to Mexico. And I was like, great, I have my house, come. And this is when something difficult happened to me, but it was also 
why I found this strength to make the duo that we did. And it was when my friends were on their way to come from Europe to stay with me, I returned home after Monaco and my ex-boyfriend of four years randomly out of nowhere with no warning told me that he didn't love me anymore. And I was so devastated. I had just bought this house and I, I had a room and I wanted, you know, with the room for the baby, I wanted to get, have a baby. I thought I'd get married, you know, he was always joking about, he knew how and when and where and everything he was going to propose to me. It was this long tease of a thing that it just never uh-huh. came to. And it's crazy when you think about it, that I was so heartbroken over my own imagination. Yeah. But if he said all these things, it was not only your imagination. No, but if you think about it, none of it actually happened, mm-hmm. you know? So, so if I think of it in that sense, I was like, okay, all I need to do easier said than done, but is change my mindset. So, because I didn't actually lose things. I didn't get married. I didn't have a kid. I didn't, these are just hopes and dreams that didn't go my way. So I was determined to have other things go my way. Mm. And that's where this fuel began to rise. And <laughs> Penny was my glue that held me together. And my friends that came to join me because I was expecting them to come and to meet my, my boyfriend and see our life there. And instead, they were helping me stay on my two feet. Mm. So there was a little period of time where we were, you know, just trying to cope and I was upset and all this. But there was also like, hey, let's have a hair hang, <laughs> you know, and we hung in my, my house, um, that I have an aerial point in. I got the riggers at Hoya to install a point for me there, mm. the resident show in Mexico. And, um, the, the, we, we filmed about 25 seconds of just fun spinning around each other and posted it on Instagram for fun. And the response was so huge and it may have just been our energy or what we did, or the fact that people hadn't seen so much two people hair hanging together. But the, the consistent comment was like, more of this, please. Oh my God. Yes. You two together. Oh my God. I want to see. And that's when we started to get to our surprise out of 22nd video and um, a request to come to young stage from Nadia. Um, and that's where I went to Penny and I said, Penny, the director of the festival there, she said, would you like to come to Young Stage with your duo? And we started laughing and we we're like, a duo? We're friends. <laughs> what do you mean duo? And she's like, oh, no, no. Like, I'd love for you to come do the act. And I was like, but we don't have an act. And she said, oh, no, no, it's okay. I trust you. Just make something. Let me know. And so we were like, oh. We're in the middle of a pandemic with nothing to do, but there's a festival that's potentially set to happen. Let's take the challenge. And she had never done a festival before. And she actually had told me a month or two prior that she gave up her dream to go to a festival because she just figured it wasn't going to happen by now. And she was like, "Eh, I'm not too heartbroken. Like I, I thought maybe one day I would do it. I just didn't get around to it. I did lots of other things and, and that's fine. And so there we found ourselves with the possibility where she could do festivals and I could be doing festivals for the first time as an aerialist in something completely new, which was 
exhilarating because I felt like previously I kind of did a lot of things. Um, so we took that challenge and well in that challenge, um, we created the act and this is my, this is what blows my mind. I always had a really easy time working with Nico and the duo and that flowed and is the, the success of our career was a product of that. But I sat down with a notebook with Penny in my kitchen and we wrote the act in 15 minutes. And it was crazy because we didn't disagree on anything. And if you're both hair hangers who are in soloists, you would definitely think that you would come to an argument with who's going to base and who's going to fly the trick. Mm. Because one of them is like free flying and the other one is in the loops that we had a concept for of how to be and to fly in the hair to hair um, basing. And she immediately being the experienced aerialist and the incredible contortionist that she is and incredibly strong, she just owned up to it. And she was like, no, I think that you, you're the mover. And we need to show that. And I have an experience up in the loops and she has a physically can achieve a lot more than in, in a loop with the restraint that it gives you. I can. And so we worked so well with understanding each other's strengths that that was going to benefit us. And it was, there was the, not even a second of hesitation ever. And it was crazy because we went in our first day and we nearly had three of the five sequences. And we worked on it for four weeks at a studio in Mexico. We paid the owner to pull us for a period of an hour and a half each day. Obviously, most of it was like floor work and a bit of pulling and stuff. And after four weeks, um, we finally placed in the last sequence that was just a dream. And it was, what can we do that will be different, but that will show this like this raw, amazing female strength, you know, where I'm coming out of this crazy breakup and I'm like, you know, feeling weak and I'm trying to find my confidence. And I have this feeling in the back of my mind, like oh, I can do anything. Mm. And I was, what, what is this? What is this thing that we can do? And that will give, you know what, that will give another hat off to a traditional discipline. Mm. And, uh, and I was like, wow, Penny, what do you think about, um, mouth hanging? And she's like, let's do it. I was like, great. <laughs> There's somebody who's been training at this dome near my place in Mexico and he makes them. So I'll ask if he's open to doing it. And then I'll ask around and see if we can get some exercises and if we can build up our neck strength and we'll just give it a go. And if we can, that will be our finale trick. And we will do a mouth to mouth sequence. And that was already written from the first mm -hmm. day. Mouth to mouth. We knew the trick that we were going to pull the split and the scorpion mm -hmm. and we, and, and, and then we, we did the mouth, the fittings with the leather, which is also really hilarious because we're both vegetarians and we use leather, cow <laughs> leather. Um, and then, uh, of course the first thing Penny does is we, we would go to the dome we receive these mouthpieces. They're finally made. Oh my God. Okay. And at this point, most of the act was done. It just hadn't been like connected. And we're like, okay, this is the final thing. Like we need, we need this to work because then we're going to really feel accomplished that we we've made the plan and she hooks it up and we actually hook it up to the edge of a basketball net. Um, because not, not the net, like the structure. And, um, because they have a lot of these permanent structures there in Mexico. And so we pass over a sling and a beaner and a 
and we pop on the mouthpiece. And of course, Penny, she just, boop, she lifts her feet. She pulls the scorpion behind her head. She, she pulls a split. She comes down. She's like, yeah, you'll be able to do it. And she is a total queen of like strength and aerials. And she can already do Renelli bend, which is uh, the, the, the mouth balance prop. That's like um, a handstand. Like can, can, yeah. Exactly. And then she put the legs over and you mm-hmm. sit on your head, your mouth. So sure. Her level of strength and neck hangs and everything. It made sense why she was a bit more conditioned than I was. But me with all my, acrobatics over the years with all this kind of like thrashy choreography and tumbling and everything i was like i have a strong neck and she looked at me and she's like charlotte you can do it like i'm not strong like you i don't i don't know and she's like no you can and i was like okay and i had two fingers on either side of the beaner i put my mouth i lifted my feet and then i released my hands for like one two three i came down and we stared at each other like what just happened (laughs) <laughs> what just happened and i said well, film it again and i gave myself because i remembered my hair hanging it was easier in the first time. give yourself a spin and go and then before you know it we were hanging 20 seconds by the mouth and so we for the rest of that day and we remember it to this day it gave us such a boost in adrenaline and confidence and this feeling of i literally can do anything that we felt like we could stop cars with our hands. We were like, <laughs> like, literally, we were like, this isn't real. Like we're hanging from our mouths. This is crazy. So of course we go back into the studio and we, we get Penny up in the loops and then we're like, how is it if she's upside down and she bears the weight? And so we took it step by step. And at the matter of six weeks total, we had run the act and we were done. We, we, we were like, okay, we're, we made the act. And I, at this point, got a call back for the Virgin Cruise. Mm-hmm. And that I was about to head four months on a ship with high COVID protocols, no visitors because of that. Mm-hmm. And so I was about to not see Penny for four months, which would have only given us about a week before the festival that we were going to go do. Mm-hmm. And so we said, okay, before we go, I go away to the ship, um, we'll try to show it to people. We've never, like, we've never even done it in the context of like, play the music. This is our routine. We were alone Mm -hmm. this whole time. So we're like, we kind of have to get some feedback. So what we did was we went, we flew to Berlin where her home base was Mm -hmm. and where I closer to starting up my gig out of Europe. And we followed all the COVID protocols there. And we did the first event at Holtzmark in, in Berlin mm-hmm. since the pandemic, which was a wonderful treat to the community there because nothing had happened for like nine months. And so we made a legal event of a small group of about 40 people invited to pass the COVID test upon entrance and we, they'd wear the mask. And then, um, and then we would do like an, a little drink session after we, 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 we put our money together and we had drinks for everybody. And we, we just wanted feedback. And we said, look, like these are not our costumes yet. We were wearing, basically it's a simple black tank top mm-hmm. and short. Um, Penny's brother had made the music out of a music I had heard 13 years earlier and in high school, actually. I was dreaming my whole life to use this music. And I 
proposed it to Penny and she's like, it's perfect. So mm. we, we, we had her brother who's, who produces music, put that together. And, and when we presented it, it was, again, it was such a pleasure. It was so well received that, um, a small clip that we had put out on, on Instagram, again, this one, Pavel from Cirque mm-hmm. contact. And he had, had become familiar with me from Hoya, but also from all the, the traditional festivals I'd done with Nico. Mm-hmm. So he, Hey, Charlotte, can you please send me your solo hair hanging video and your duo? I'd like to update your profile because I think we have some possibilities for you guys in the future. Mm-hmm. And we just like, this is not real. Like <laughs> we, we showed it to a group of 30, 40 people in, in Berlin. We haven't even done the festivals yet. And we're updating our Cirque Pro. I mean, this is a bit, it was too much. I, we, we started to realize, is it, is it this special? Like, is it okay? And the feedback was great. So then we said, we, we parted our ways. I went four months on the ship and, um, and during my, my week that I was leaving, I, we got invited to another festival and the festival was uh, the Circus Princess Festival in Saratov, Russia. Mm-hmm. They wanted our act. And it was actually based on that. It was, um, uh, what was it? It was about, it was going to give me like one day off of the ship if I left two weeks early to to run the act with her in Berlin, where her home base was, mm-hmm. and then fly to Russia and compete. And we hadn't seen each other or done the duo act that we just made in four months. And I got the go from Shana Carroll to leave the show early, which was, I'm so grateful for her because I was the main character and it was, you know, a lot, but she, with the cast that we had, she was confident that actually Heloise uh, Bourgeois would be able Mm -hmm. to step in and, and cover for me in the last weeks. And, um, and she's like, yeah, you should take this opportunity. And, I was just like, wow, okay, thank you. And thank God we did, because after the one run that we had in, in Berlin, it went great. Our friends pulled us in Holtzmark again. We, um, we, we flew off to Russia, and we won gold. <laughs> and that blew my mind again. I was like, what's going on? And the best part about it is you win a crown, which oh, is so cool. <laughs> this festival, you win a crown, and um, that was beautiful because I was so, I felt like I was there with my sister, and we were doing something from our soul that just was literally to prove that we could do anything. It was let's hang by our mouth, let's mm-hmm. do this thing together, let's prove who we are, let's be strong women, let's lift each other up any doubts we have, you know, I tell her she's amazing. She tells me I'm amazing. And it was just pure sisterhood, mm-hmm. like literally encouraging each other. Um, and the most positive environment I think I've ever experienced because from the moment we were invited, we wrote down, we're like, well, we're going to go and we're going to win gold. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't, but we also were like, we're going to do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and I still think that, the, the kind of the mindset we had and the way we approached it 
and the and the confidence that we we, we went with was was the reason why it worked so well because we can we continue to to push with that and and very 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 like one of the most important things is to to keep our sensitivity and to keep our friendliness and to keep our healthy and friendly collaborations with everyone in every environment we go with because we're trying to just be this wave of positivity everywhere we go and it seems to bring us good things was it at that point that pavel contacted you for starting to work for cirque i think it was um after our vacation time and upon um we both the hand-to-hand duo with nico and the hair duo with penny and penny's solo handsome act we were all going to do the next season of winter garden uh from mm-hmm. From about February or March 2020, uh, okay, at this point it was 2022, um, uh, like this time last year, mm-hmm. we started to get the. It was about yeah six months after ish that we were started to really get the questions in, and the first one was for what was at the time called Under the Same Sky, mm-hmm. and they were doing the. This is where Mukhtar and um, Chantal Tremblay had had reached out and were like were we're re-evaluating the storyline of the show that we're going to reinvent. Uh, but we're still going off of certain elements of the past. And in order to push forward, we had senior acts and it was actually uh, Mukhtar who had, had seen it and, and thought that it was perfect. This, this human quality that we had and this animalistic, almost like instinctive, um, nurturing sisterhood sort of elements of connectivity that we had and it was exactly what we wanted to show he had read it perfectly and we felt like oh wow that's an environment we want to be a part of you have seeked something that fits for your show but it, that is what we made so we were like wow I, that, that's amazing and um and that's when yeah pavel had reached out to, to arrange the call for that so it was first for um or under the same sky uh, to figure out how that was going to work out and it was um at this time that something more serious happened in my career which i had to make a decision after i took a fall in a, in one of my warm-ups in winter garden in a hand-to-hand warm-up and i took a, a pretty bad fall And leading up to that fall, which was just a total accident that can happen, you know, with the risk that I take, um, I was having really, really quite problematic neck issues. It seemed what was lingering with the previous herniated disc and the instability in my neck and the years behind me was starting to creep up on me. And it wasn't working as well as I thought um, to continue at that level. And I'm not even sure what happened that day. We had a little freak accident on one of the tricks that I did. It was a front layout move that mm-hmm. would go position on the shoulders before to stand and then mm-hmm. back layout. And I actually soared up and over and, and I took a great fall. And, it, you know, no matter what happened there that day, being a total accident, it did give me a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I talked more seriously with my dad about who's a doctor and has a really good way of processing um, 
with patients and pain and trauma and how to, you know, recuperate to go forward based on a variety of different uh, possibilities. You know, in his case, it's life-threatening disease where he mm-hmm. treats cancer. But this was more like my safety and my future. And he helped me break down. He's like, would you say that while you are in pain? Um, he's like, well, would you say without being in pain that your job has its risks that you are aware of? And I'd say, yes, but I know how to control them. And he's like, yeah, okay. He's like, but would you say that when you are in pain and it's an an unstable pain and it fluctuates and it's hard to maintain, do you think that you perform slightly impaired? Like, do you think that you are doing that to your 100% capacity or do you think that there's a little bit more risk now because of mm-hmm. you know, the way that you're doing it, because of the pain, maybe the lack of strength. Yeah, it or the, the way you do your movements, you affect your mindset. Yeah, it, it does. It, and he's like, so do you think that there's a possibility there that that could have affected why you fell, but also what could happen in the future? Do you think that you're going to be, and it wasn't to scare me. It was just helping me. Mm-hmm. Navigating what was happening. Yeah. And for me at that point in time and the fear that I felt and the pain that I had and the fall that it took, it was an ensemble and like, it was, it was mentally very challenging for me to do so, but I felt like I had to put at the time I was like, at least for now, a pause on it because it was too much for me at that time to say I was stopping hand to hand, but it, but to, to, in order for my, my partner of 10 years to be able to move forward with his plans and his life and his goal, I did have to take a decision. So I chose that the best route for my recovery was to, at least for the time being, completely stop hand to hand. And that was so hard. That was like, I, I hated it because it felt like I could have like a good few days or a good week. And then I'd have like a month or two of just like, I'm just living on painkillers. Mm. And I didn't have, I went to the, you know, the spinal surgeon and I did go to do another MRI after the fall. And I did have a, another herniated disc. And I, I believe I broke my tailbone on the fall. I, I didn't check it, but I, it was, it was a problem for me to sit for a good six mm. months. And then I was like, okay, this is, this is like, this is a very big thing for me. It was almost like identity crisis again, Mm -hmm. because it was like, I was, I built up this, this persona, this, this Charlotte Nicholas, this, this flyer thing. I had a good influence in in the world of hand to hand and great achievements and um, a certain amount of I don't know, pride and and what I did and who I was. And I was about to just like release it. And for me, it just felt like I'm losing who I am. And I, instead I just had to talk with, you know, Penny, she was amazing with this. My mom was amazing. And she was like, you didn't not achieve anything that you did. You always, you know, you still won those awards. You still did those shows. You still did those things. You're just evolving into your next phase of are and and what you're becoming and you're utilizing those things to to progress to progress forward and to become the next version of you so 
after digesting the almost like loss of that, mm-hmm. um, I did continue to perform the duo and I just found a way through that to uh, the duo, meaning the duo hair hang because traction that I had at that time was still permitting me, uh, to, to hang. I did a little bit of an abbreviated version of the act for a, a few weeks. And then I, I popped into like the full thing, mm-hmm. but I realized, okay, now I have a discipline that I can sustain even with my neck problems. It actually helps my neck problems. All of the doctors said that I should continue doing it because it's helping me. It's decompressing. So it's- yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, this is, this is the new step in my life. And from that point on, I think with Cirque's knowing that I wasn't trying to keep both disciplines anymore because I was, mm-hmm. I was, it is quite serious for me to keep. I had let them know I've since taken the decision to focus on the, the duo hair hang and solo hair hang. And that's when the, the offers came in. Um, oh, you know, I lied. We actually got offered and Dora for the duo right after the actually. So then we went on to do Andorra with our original duo act. And then we did um, over the summertime and then of last year. And then in the September National Saudi Day with Cirque with the yeah. duo act. And then Sam Roy during our calls with for Under the Same Sky with Mukhtar, um, he was like, I have a preposition for you girls after your event in Saudi can we separate you and and put you each on a show on Twas the Night in solo hair hang because we need it for the Christmas show. And then we can bring you back after for the late, for the start of the creation of what was then called Echo, uh, at the, finally at this point. Yeah. And then we will utilize your versions of your solo acts to back each other up if ever you need for. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, wow, I went from a fear of like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't do hand to hand to, I created something for myself to hand to hand to my surprise actually wasn't going to pursue it much longer. And now I'm having like more success than I imagined with, with this new thing. And I think, um, well, it definitely helped me get over, you know, the change choice and the, the confidence that I made the right choice for me, mm-hmm. as well as um, I'm doing what I love and what we made. And we're so happy that we're, we're doing our act the way we made it and in so many different venues and, and places. Um, and actually, I'm set to premiere my my solo act for backup purposes um this coming friday nice oh that's awesome congratulations that's amazing yeah and it's been great for penny because she's been the backup contortionist all this time and she's still doing her other discipline that is important to her so we're we're really in a company right now that's giving us the tools to continue the things that we like to do and the freedom to be able to to pursue and, and train the other things that we want to as well, which is yeah. so cool. Yeah, mm. Amazing. But before I let you go, I have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if aliens would land on Earth, how would you explain Cirque du Soleil to them? Hmm. I would say that 
our planet has a certain type of people with extra abilities (laughs) (laughs) and that they come together to perform for the people who aspire to have abilities like them. And we entertain them with the wonder and the magic of things that we do differently from the rest of our species. Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, I... I'm sorry, I my stories are difficult, the timeline and 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 they jump a lot. And there was a lot of things that I did over the years, but I hope it's not confusing. <laughs> no, it's perfect. I would say like um your story and the way you tell it, you're you're like um you're like the Christopher Nolan of circus, you know. It's like as you say, you go in farther in the future and then you go back and you explain what happens in the future and then you go back to the very beginning and everything makes sense when you get to through a story Uh, amazing thank you so much for i know you're super busy with the shows and the rehearsal and everything and no i think much for letting me have a space to talk about it because i did just go through a very recent change in my life and i'm i'm also proud of the new changes so it's cool to talk about nice well i wish you a big melt for the the premiere of the backup on friday and for the following of the tour i can't wait to come and see you guys on stage thank you you were just doing helena fisher by the way congratulations Oh, Pop queen. You. Yeah, she's super fun. We still have uh, two and a half months left on the tour. Okay. Oh, yes. Please let me know if you're in town and we'll we'll have you there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'll be sick. Okay. Big mail and I can't wait to see you guys on stage. Yes, thank you so, so much. Bye-bye. What a journey, right? I mean, winning Monte Carlo twice, are you kidding me? And performing your own act in two different disciplines, in two different six shows. Charlotte is amazing. Another true inspirational story here. I love it. Guess what, guys? It is now your time to give us a good rating and review on your podcast app. It is quick and it really helps us growing. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CircusTalk.com, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. And now, my friends, we are done for today. Let's catch up next week. Until then, take care. I wish to all my fellow Americans a happy 4th of July. Enjoy the barbecue. Toy, 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 and big mad if you're having shows. And you know it, as we say in the circus, see you down the road.